This production is brought to you by Magentrix. Magentrix is a pioneer in platforms for partner ecosystem management and partner relationship management. This is Partner Relationship Management, the ultimate channel sales podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Channel Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Bird. So today's topic is, is your partner ecosystem healthy? Uh, Three things to check immediately. Uh, Today's guest has really been a visionary in the IT world for channel giants like uh, Sun Microsystems, Pre-Oracle, Fujitsu, BA Systems. And for the last 20 years, CEO and founding partner of the Phoenix Consulting Group, uh, she has a laser focus on helping companies achieve profitable results through strategic alliances, channels, and partner ecosystems. And she's recently published a very interesting article on how do you know if your channel ecosystem is healthy? And we thought we'd have her on the show today to take a deeper dive into some of these concepts. So she's with us today to talk about the three things you can immediately do to keep your partner ecosystem healthy. Welcome, Norma Wadenpah. Uh, welcome to the show, Norma. It is truly great to have you here. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for the invitation to being here. And this is a topic, of course, that I'm passionate about talking about. I was I think I first called the larger partner community and ecosystem over 20 years ago. And my boss at the time was one of these hard charging, no nonsense sales guys looked at me like it was a tree hugger. And <laughs> in fact, I think he called me a tree hugger. That's funny. But, you know, at the time it was becoming apparent that, you know, we had these silos of partners we managed, you know, channels and technology and SIs, mm. and we kind of kept them in their neat little niches because it was easiest for us to manage. And it really didn't take an account that that's not how customers saw them. And that's mm-hmm. not how they saw themselves, you know, that they had much diverse business models than what we were giving them credit for. And I think in the last, you know, 20 years, more people have come to realize it particularly has the uh, business dynamics changed in, in say the channel where channel partners don't make all their money on margins anymore. They have blended revenue streams. They have to have services. They have to have their own IP. And this is being said, they don't stay in their neat little boxes anymore. (laughs) Very true. Well, maybe because it is a topic that's really been quite hot over the last couple of years. And I know that a lot of people are still having trouble understanding what an ecosystem is. is. So if we start right at the basics, in a nutshell, can you define what what is a partner ecosystem? Well, I like to fall back on the biological definition. You know, it's a community of interacting organisms and their environment. And I think it has a lot of value and, and validity here because You need to think of your partners as organisms, living, breathing, changing, adapting things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the definitions of of a living organism is that they are adaptive to change or they don't continue. And that has been very true of the um, VAR channel over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. They've not kept up to date with the changes with SAS and disruption and whatnot. They've either changed to a very different animal or they've um, hung up their shingle and went off to retire, right? Exactly. I think it's very important to think of uh, partners as being very dynamic business entities and and interacting. And I think Mm. that might be the very uh, essential difference in how we talk about our partner communities is that 
I think traditionally we set up our channels and technology programs as kind of a hug and hub and spoke Model, in yes. which you had a central company platform in the center doing all the orchestrations. There was a mm -hmm. lot of one-to-one -one relationships, but we really didn't encourage or promote the interconnections within that community. Interesting. And when you talk about a living or ecosystem, everything in that ecosystem has a relationship or an interaction with everything else in that. Interdependency in a lot of cases. And an interdependency, yeah. And and of course, there are predators and there's all sorts of behaviors going on in ecosystems. For sure. Why do you think it's people are moving to this model now? By the sounds of it, this has been around for a long time, but it looks like there's more of a movement towards, you know, recognizing that you do have an ecosystem and they're trying to move their model to it. Why now as opposed to 20 years ago? I think that the way customers buy has become more complex mm. and the things that they buy have become more complex. If you're buying an IOT solution or, or a transform, digital transformation, or you're trying to improve your customer experience, those are always multi-vendor um, solutions. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and customers don't want to buy a bag of parts and some assembly required. <laughs> a few do, but, but most don't. They want to buy a business outcome. They want to get to better profitability or better revenue generation or uh, better differentiation within their market. You know, they're buying an outcome, not, mm -hmm. a, not as I said, a bag of parts or a lot of technology. They want it all assembled and they want it to work. And most of it's in the cloud these days. So, I think that's why it's driven kind of the, the notion that we have to have tighter ecosystems because we're going to market as ecosystems. Mm -hmm. We're building these solution stacks. And we always had them what we call market textures, right? Where we stacked all these partner tech together, but didn't do the the really hard work of ensuring they all work together. We went to market together and we could, you know, support our customers collaboratively. So why do you think it's so important to measure the health, engage health of these ecosystems? You know, what does that, what role do you play in the partnership? And, you know, how does that really go for gauging how healthy and productive these ecosystems are? So we've talked about some of the differences of an ecosystem versus our traditional programs. And in the mm -hmm. traditional programs, we, we've kind of learned how to metric those and measure value. But it's more than a sum of the parts, especially mm -hmm. when you talk about an ecosystem, because I believe the value is generated in those interconnections in the committee, in the community, mm -hmm. the ability for those individual partners to come together and form solutions to go to market together to create greater value for customers together. We're not really measuring that. And when I think about that, there's three things I would say that are, are unique to ecosystems and what we should should actually be measuring to determine the health. Mm -hmm. One is that, um, are they scaling growth for you? Are they collaborating mm -hmm. together to create better opportunities for you? Two is the ability to innovate. Um, two minds are greater than one. If you've got, you know, multiple partners in a solution, you've got all of those partners thinking of innovation, bringing what they know, their unique differences and, and perspectives to innovate around a customer solution. So innovation. And the third is, is the partner economics, the partner health in terms of the economic. As we noted before, partners aren't staying in their neat little boxes anymore. Exactly. You need to look at what is the revenue model? 
And mm. are those revenue models fully activated within your ecosystem? And what are you doing to enable partners, not just to make um, a reasonable margin, which is probably the least of their profit streams, but can they get that 5X multiplier on services? Mm-hmm. Can they insert unique IP, whether it is, you know, productized services or connectors or accelerators or extensions to your product to create, you know, additional revenue streams for them? Mm, interesting. Those are three things, you know, growth, innovation, and the economics. Yeah, financial health. I mean, it's critical, right? If uh, if your ecosystem, if your partners, if they are not uh, making money around your solution, they're not going to build a practice around it, and they'll find another one that that will. When I was reading the article in that, you say traditional metrics um, used for measuring, I believe, one-to-one partnerships or even one-to-many, uh, those don't really suffice when you're looking at this kind of many-to-many dynamics. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, you know, Why are the traditional metrics really not effective when we're looking at ecosystem partners if we're trying to focus on this, you know, this growth at scale, this innovation, and this financial health model? Yes. Well, some are, right? You're still going to measure what the net revenue generation is of your ecosystem. For sure. But, you know, there, there are other things along the way that I think will help you understand if it's healthy and what to, to you know, optimize. Mm-hmm. One thing that I have found is that when you measure the impact of partner sales, of co-selling, when you've got one or more partners working together on an opportunity, companies that really put some rigor around tracking this or finding bigger deals, Faster close rates, higher close rates. One in particular that I just tapped on just a few weeks ago to see how they were doing, we were reporting double the deal size. Wow. 40% acceleration, 50% higher close rates. That's unreal. Now, apply that to your pipeline. Yeah. Your CRO and board are going to be very happy with you. But then what happens if you can enable that level of collaboration among your partners in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. not just on what you do, but you now have an ecosystem of collaborating partners that can come together and generate that kind of growth and scale. As I have talked to people in you know, channel leadership positions, everyone wants to talk about channel conflict, right? They, there is a, a resistance to allowing collaborative relationships between partnerships. So when you look at an ecosystem, uh, you know, how does that kind of, how does channel conflict work in, into that? And is channel conflict simply a thing of the past? Well, when you bring three, four partners together in opportunity, there's probably going to be overlap in what they do. Mm-hmm. That, does that mean you don't do it? Of course not. Absolutely. And if there's revenue be had, you're going to figure it out, right? Exactly. And I've seen that partners, you learn to collaborate. And, and co-opetition is an advanced art. I I, I get that. You, you've got to realize that, you know, you it's bigger than one deal. You know, your, your collaboration, hopefully, if you're doing it right, is going to be repeatable. And you have to figure out your swim lanes so that, you know, the, you ultimately, and what I find is that ultimately, if you put the customer in the center of that, how do you create more value? Um, you increase your close rate for one thing. By the look of it, absolutely. Certainly a percentage of a sale is better than none of it. Yeah, for sure. You, you've got to look at it from that perspective of how are you creating value for customers and where where do you create the best value versus others in your in your your pod or your, your you know, ecosystem this year. It's what, you know, I said, it's an advanced topic. You have to figure out where your swim lane is, where you contribute best and where you need to 
enable and embrace what your partners do best. For sure. So what do you think the number one misconception people have or mistake they make when they are uh, building a successful ecosystem? Is there anything that you've seen where, you know, this is just the wrong direction or it's a misconception that they have uh, around the ecosystem? Well, I think in general, um, when people build ecosystems, they often are looking at it from only their perspective Mm-hmm. And not from the partner perspective. And I'm a big believer in designing your ecosystems from the customer inwards. How do you create a great customer experience? How do partners play in that? How do you create a great experience, motivate partners to deliver on that? Um, I, I see so many times that a lot of our processes and, um, you know, infrastructures designed for the convenience of the vendor and not to really generate better results for customers. Interesting. And I have seen that because it at times it's difficult to all of a sudden take off your own glasses, look through the lens of a customer, uh, and what's that customer experience. And, you know, we can get through this on our day-to-day. We just keep going about thinking about our own business. And sometimes what we fail to remember is that there is an impression that we leave with customers and with partners. And we have to look at uh, how they see us as well. So on this on this podcast, one of the things that we talk a lot about is uh, channel strategy and the purpose. So what role do you see does the ecosystem or vice versa, how does that help the channel strategy evolve? And is there a new strategy required, which is purely an ecosystem strategy? Well, if, you know, as most things in business is that you, you build on the past and you you know, sometimes have to rip and replace, but <laughs> but never wholesale. Uh, so I think you, as a as a strategy, yes, and I you know I did this even before we ta- start talking. Is that you always start with the customer? How do you mm-hmm. serve their needs? A lot of it has to do with how do customers prefer to buy. Uh, often, and that's another thing companies sometimes overlook is just because you have a channel doesn't mean you have to use it. Sometimes mm-hmm. the uh, better way is a co sell. Or you go back to how does a customer want to buy and think of the strategy that way. Because, you know, consumption models was greatly driven by that. That was probably a great awakening (laughs) is that, you know, customers prefer to buy on a subscription model. Okay, let's do that. That was it. It was always build it or buy it. And then it was build it, buy it or rent it, (laughs) which is essentially what that consumption model is with a subscription. And uh, you had mentioned how critical the customer experience is. Do you have any suggestions on how uh, a vendor can better understand what that customer experience is? Because, again, it's difficult if they're not uh, if they're not minded in that fashion. But how do they get that insight on what a customer would experience? I think you just have to get out there. You know, you have to talk to customers Um, Do follow up on on. customers who have bought from you and what their experiences were. And I think what you'll find is, is what I often say is the partner is the customer experience. Often your customer mm-hmm. is a much tighter, more um, deeper relationship with customer than you might um, because they're in their industry, they're in their market space, they're in their geography, you know, whatever it is, but they, you know, relating, relying on your partners is, is very helpful there too, to understand their perspective of partners. But I think it's just getting out of your getting out of your own way and getting out there, <laughs> and really talking to customers, talking to partners. 
So then you have to, to a certain degree, set the tone with your uh, the partners that are in your channel ecosystem on how you want them to uh, deal with customers, so the type of customer experience that that you expect them to provide. Is that part of the onboarding, the enablement process is to define here's here's the vision, here's what how we want customers to feel? I, I think so. Um, and, and then, you know, in terms of channel strategy, you build backwards from that in terms of what sure. are the motivation, what are the incentives you provide, what are the benefits you provide. I just did a little bit of research on this recently and asked what benefits people felt contributed most to a good customer experience. And surprisingly, it wasn't the technical stuff. It was uh, the sales stuff, sales engagement, enablement, co-selling. It was how you work with partners in the sales on the on the forefront of the business with the customer. And less about the technology. That's that that is a, a change in from my perspective because I've worked in technology for so long that it's not about the tech. It's it's now about the the relationship. It's about now, the relation. It probably always was. We just <laughs> we just wanted to make sure we had all the speeds and feeds. Right. So you know, as we look at kind of these three things that we're looking to for to manage kind of the health of an ecosystem, how much do you think um, a partner role plays in in overall innovation? of not only the kind of evolution of maybe a solution that you offer, but the evolution of the customer experience. Um, it, it's very key. What is kind of a foundation of innovation is it happens when you have differences in perspective, differences in experiences. And it's exactly what you have when you bring three, four partners together mm. and they start innovating around a customer requirement or customer need is that you're bringing those ideas and perspectives together and you're going to come out with a better outcome for the customer. And also, you know, keeping in mind that uh, customers are buying outcomes these days. It's, you know, mm-hmm. we liked it. There you go. There you go. And if you go back to the, you know, if you've been in technology as long as I have, it was speeds and feeds, but it's not. They're buying better efficiency in the supply chain. They're buying a better customer experience for their customers. They're buying uh, digital transformation so they can deliver healthcare in the pandemic, you know, whatever it is, they're buying outcomes and, you know, keeping your partners focused on, and they're probably better focused than most technology vendors on what customer requirements are and their needs and innovating to deliver on that. So if we're encouraging the engagement, right, between the two part between multiple partners and we want to drive these outcomes for the for the customer themselves, you know, what do we how do we start that engagement, you know, and and what kind of outcome should uh, should somebody expect by now encouraging partners to work together to drive those outcomes? I think you have to you start looking at how do you enable partners to engage? First of all, how do they find each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we've put these solution finders and partner directories out there for customers. And it's like, maybe we should have been doing that for partners. <laughs> so, you know, taking the partner perspective of, you know, I need a, a service su- provider in East Omaha to help me with a customer solution. You know, how do they find the right partners to work with, with the right ex- skills and expertise? And, um, you know, you have to kind of qualify chemistry on your own, but, you know, you, you know, how do partners find each other to work together? Mm. And how do you provide them with maybe some tools that they can use to collaborate more effectively and build those unique solutions and co-sell and, you know, drive those sales 
um, achievement. Well, I, I recently saw a Slack channel where as people were introducing themselves, and it was open to a, a number of people uh, across an industry, where as they introduced themselves, they also included what they are looking for and what they have to give. Uh, and I thought that was a great way of innovating because not only do they initially you know, tell them, provide a little background about themselves professionally and personally, but, but then being able to have an area where they can say, here's what I'm looking for. And here's what I can give you if you're looking for it. Uh, What an ingenious way of being able to build a relationship between partners. And I just heard someone draw that parallel recently that it's, it's changes it from a transactional kind of relationship to a reciprocal one. Yes. Yes. It's I give you give not, you know, a transactional exchange. I I give you pay. Exactly. And how can we best measure these collaboration efforts? I mean, obviously, we'll see it in the customer outcomes. uh, And if we're looking for the, the growth as far as scale, we'll see it there. But is there any other measurement that we can look at? to kind of judge how how healthy is the collaboration. Yeah, I think you go back to engagement metrics and, and mm. not just engagement with you as the, as the vendor, but what is the level of engagement partners to partners? How are they working together? Um, and, and this might be something that I, the technology has to catch up to a bit, but I think one of the things that used to drive people crazy is in, in deal registrations, you'd have three partners registering for the same deal. Mm-hmm. And... Lo and behold, they're all in there. They're all doing something, but only one of them gets credit. <laughs> so exactly. I, I think there's probably going to have to be some rethinking of how do you recognize a partner's contribution in satisfying customer value? And it may be different and may not be even in conflict with others. Exactly. If, if And this, I guess, is the concept behind you know being able to map accounts with partners is that you can look across your ecosystem and understand where the relationships are with, uh, with a mutual uh, prospective customer, potentially, or current customer. Yeah. So how can you, I mean, I'm still trying to get the concept of, you know, this model, this traditional model that I see a lot, which is we want partners in on their own island, and now we want to bring them together. So what kind of best practices or recommendations, like what's the impact of promoting this collaboration on the overall health of the ecosystem in general? I think it boils down to those uh, growth, uh, scaling growth metrics we've talked about of mm. bigger deals, more deals, close faster. And do you think it helps create more opportunities that uh, the ecosystem benefits from when you have these uh, multiple minds working together? You know, you talk about the increased close rates, you know, but I'm looking at does this scale all of a sudden now because we have collaborative partners, does this now open up and generate potential more opportunity uh, for the members of the ecosystem? You know, do you think that it, it by design creates more opportunity? I think so, because when you start with what they come together and innovate around customers, hopefully they have a now a, a you know groundbreaking solution or something that's better suited to customers that are that is repeatable, and they're going to be looking to you know leverage that, sell that multiple times, get the system down. The more you sell it, the better you become at selling it. So I think it really does create this um, you know regenerative effect, if you will, of 
creating greater value and then then scaling it. Can you give us an example of somebody that has a very healthy partner ecosystem, somebody that's done it right and they've, they've got it uh, well running? Boy, everyone's in different stages of that. I think Cisco's done some interesting things. Some years back, they started incenting their channel partners to work with an ISV. Mm -hmm. So they were selling network applications and not just hubs and routers and cables and whatnot. So I think they started that. They started with that thinking. And now they're, I think they've taken it even further in terms of driving more ecosystem collaboration in terms of these solutions. Yeah, interesting. And that's something I'd like to delve a little bit more into myself because I think they've been doing some interesting things around partner experience, which is also going to be a, a you know, a driver in customer retention and acquisition. Perfect. So if we get back to the kind of topics, the three things that you should really check right now to see if your ecosystem is healthy, what would those three items be that, uh, that you would recommend people in order to take that temperature check on their ecosystem? I would say one, are, are your partners engaging with each other? Two, are they innovating around customers? Once they engage, are they building unique solutions for customers? And three, look at the economics. Are they healthy economically? Are they making money in multiple revenue streams? And can you help them do better? <laughs> mm, for sure. So maybe you can share a little bit about Phoenix Consulting, where you are now. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do there and uh, how you help but companies build their ecosystem? Well, I've been doing this a long time. I've been consulting. In fact, this is a uh, anniversary year for me. I've been doing this 20 years. Congratulations. Since the dot bomb when I realized I was unemployed and not retired. So I started consulting and I worked with a number of companies in helping to build their partner ecosystems. I, I worked with um, SAP and Partner Edge about 12 years back when they decided they wanted to put everything under one partner organization. Mm -hmm. um, not a fully interacting ecosystem at the time, but beginning to understand that partners had multiple business models and that um, there was a lot of synergy by doing that. Um, also uh, worked with most recently with, you know, larger companies like Google, um, smaller companies that you've never heard of <laughs> and just getting their initial ecosystems off the ground, uh, which is what I love. And then, uh, working with a lot with alliances, strategic alliances as well, which is a key part of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm, for sure. And particularly now that they're trying to, they're building joint offers now that are, isn't just direct post-sale, they're putting them through the channels. And if, if they follow your recommendations and the tips you've provided today on a healthy ecosystem, what kind of results do you think they can expect? I know it's difficult and it varies for everyone, but typically from what you've seen over the last 20 years, what kind of results do people expect when they've now moved from that hub spoke model now to a thriving partner ecosystem? Well, I think, you know, kind of reiterating some of the points you've made, they're going to create a better customer experience and better customer value, which is going to drive sales in itself. And by that through that collaboration, more innovation, new sources of revenue for partners and, you know, for the for the platform company itself. So and looking at the sales dynamics, you know, being rigorous about how those partnered sales are really impacting how your pipeline. That is uh, absolutely sage advice. Well, uh, 
Well, Norma, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, they can find me on uh, phoenixcg.com, my website. And uh, we look very much forward to hearing from folks. Perfect. Well, thank you again very much. It really has been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. All right, guys, thank you for listening to the Ultimate Channel Sales Podcast. Please don't forget to join us next time. For more information, please visit channelsalespodcast.com. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to our podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode today, please leave us a five-star rating. From the Apple Podcast app, just select our show, scroll down to the rating and review section, and click write review. And don't forget to share with your friends or professional network anyone who'd enjoy it. See you next time on the Ultimate Channel Sales Podcast. This production is brought to you by Magentrix. Magentrix is a pioneer in platforms for partner ecosystem management and partner relationship management.